Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be so today's uh, Second Samuel 21. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? I've, I remember I was playing football in school, and we, the, we did our thing, you know, and, and the quarterback, he threw the ball over to this guy on our team. You know, we were the Alvin Yellow Jackets. Now, we wore orange. Don't ask me to make that make any sense to you. I don't know why they do that. We had to wear pink socks. I don't understand that either. So we had pink socks, orange uniforms called the yellow jackets, whatever. So he threw the ball to this dude on our team. He caught the ball and he turned and he ran to the wrong end zone. He ran the wrong way. And he thought, boy, he thought he smoked everybody because it was clear all the way, right? And he got there and he smacked the ball down. He did his little dance and we're like... Dude, which side are you on, man? I mean, we were, that, that was a bummer. That was a bummer. He got disoriented, I get it, but golly. See, I come to realize when you get out on the field, you dress, you wear, you look like the side you're on. Pink socks and everything, okay? You look like I'm on this side. And because you're on this particular side, you're going to act like that side. You're going to run this way. You're not going to run that way. Okay? Because if you do, people are going to ask you, you're, dude, you're confusing me. Which side are you on? There's a lot of Christians out there saying, yeah, I'm for Jesus, and they're running the wrong way. And they even have the other uniform on. They're not wearing orange and pink socks. They're wearing white and something else. It's like you don't even look like us. You Which side are you on? Because whichever side you're on, that's what you're really going to want to do. Now, the guy that messed up went the wrong way. He felt miserable about it. When I mess up, I feel miserable about it. There's a lot of people when they mess up, they don't feel miserable about it. They willfully run the wrong way. But I'm on Team Jesus So this is going to boil down to which side are you on? What I mean by that is which side of covenant are you on? We've been reading about which side of covenant that David was on. He messed up. He ran the wrong direction. Oh, check Bathsheba out. Let's kill Uriah and cover the sin. He ran the wrong way and God kind of got in front of him. Which side are you on? You got to run this way now. And David's really been learning a lot of that. Now we're going to see two sides of this uh, covenant here. But I want to backtrack a little bit. If you remember, and we had done last Sunday, that drought that hit Israel, and David asked the Lord, what caused the drought? Why are we having this drought? And the Lord said it was because Saul had broken a covenant with the Gibeonites, and apparently Saul had killed a lot of Gibeonite people and and a lot of their families. And so seven men from Saul's line were required to hang 
before the Lord. It literally says that because they had to pay for that broken covenant. Now, the parallel with that is that we all broke a covenant with God and Jesus had to hang for it to pay for our damage and he paid for it completely. And so seven men from Saul's line, they hung for it. The mother of two of these men, she literally watched her sons hang. She watched them hang there. And that's why I want to backtrack real quick to 2 Samuel 21 and 10. It says, Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. Okay, so they're hanging there. Seven guys. Two of them are her own son. And she spread out a blanket to watch them and keep the animals off of them. Very weird story, I know. But she made sure that these seven men died and remained hanged until the rains came back. When the rains came back, she knew this meant that God had lifted the curse of the drought off the land. Now the parallel to that is that God sent his own son to hang on the cross to pay for the covenant that we broke so that the death curse of sin would be lifted off from us. I know you're thinking how miserable a thing for God to make a woman sit and watch her son hang like that. Well, she understood covenant. She understood God. She knew it had to be paid for and she was going to make sure it got paid for so that she wouldn't die under the drought. So her family and friends wouldn't die under the drought. How hard would that be to watch your own son die like that for the benefit of others? Well, I don't know. Why don't you think about how was it like for God to watch his own son die so that the covenant, so that the curse could be lifted off us so that we could live? Same deal. But I want you to keep this part in mind here as we enter into the last part of 2 Samuel 21 and verse 15. The Philistine giants destroyed. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishnibanab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. Look at that. He thought he could. <laughs> thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeriah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Okay, if David were to die, that would apparently mean the end of his leadership. David's got covenant leadership going. They don't want this to end. They recognized covenant on David, so they advised he should never again go into battle. Guys, David's getting older. We've seen some passage of time go by here. Now, for David to die would snuff out Israel's lamp. What is this lamp, if we're going to put it in those terms? They understood that through David were the blessings of God's covenant on the entire nation. So they didn't want David's leadership to end. They did not want God's blessing to end on the land. They needed God's blessing. Now, this covenant was referred to as a lamp because it illuminated Israel. It kept the darkness out. That's what lamps do is they make the darkness go away, okay? 1 Kings 11.36 says, My servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. 
Also, we see in 2 Kings 8, 19, it says, Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of his servant David, as he promised him to give a lamp to him and his sons forever. So, not only had David come to understand covenant over the last few chapters, remember he was learning that, he messed up pretty bad, now he's got to learn covenant, but now also David's men are learning covenant. Do you see this? That's good leadership. Yes, he messed up. Yes, he blew it bad, but he's still king. He's, nobody's been able to take him off the throne yet, and now the men are starting to get it. And so when you know how to walk in covenant, then you can also walk in the victory that covenant offers you, as we saw how David's men are now killing giants too, just like David did back in the time of Goliath. Typically, when you think of anybody killing a giant, all you think of is David. Let's not forget that David helped influence and inspire by covenant power all his men to do the same thing. They're killing giants as well. I really want to cash in on the fact that Goliath was referred to as the Philistine champion. When you're a champion, that means nobody has ever beat you because you're the champion. Okay? So David's men are beating champions. They're killing champions that have never been beaten. The size of the enemy does not matter when you walk under God's covenant power. The size of the enemy out there, it doesn't matter how big they are. If you're under God's covenant power, you can slay giants. I was in a coffee shop the other day, and they had a picture on the wall of Jesus in the boat with the disciples, and the waves were going crazy, and all the disciples were freaking out. And they're trying to grab Jesus. "Ah!" And Jesus is just like, had this look like, chill out, man, I got this, you know. Okay, we're all in this boat right now called the United States of America. And there's a big storm going on out there, and it's scaring everybody. Remember, if you got the Lord there, it's all right, okay? Because if you walk in covenant power, it doesn't matter how big the waves are. It doesn't matter how big the enemy is. You can win. They're killing champions. But you can see why David's men did not want the lamp to go out, because they themselves were now exhibiting the same covenant power that David had passed down to them. And I think this is good timing. Now they've got the juice, right? <laughs> and now they can do the fighting. David's gotten too old. Second Samuel 21 and 18. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And here we go, guys. Here goes the redneck. Then Sebachai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, Look at this, another one, guys. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of whoever that guy is, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the the, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. David was no longer attending the battles himself. They said, David, you can't do this anymore. You need to sit them out from now on. But now David's men were killing off giants themselves. Here's this giant here. There's a giant there. They're just taking the giants out left and right. This means nobody can make an idol out of David because that's what would have happened. Yes, he's the lamp. I get it. You got to keep the covenant. But you notice how people will make an idol out of somebody because they did something so great and they think it all depends on them. Well, God had said, David, you sit it out. Now I want you to watch your men do it. That way they could not get into David worship, okay? You ever notice how they haven't found the Ark of the Covenant yet? You notice they haven't found the, the, the Ark of Noah's Ark, all these great 
items because if anybody ever found it they would say we have the ark of the covenant we are the ones that's got it right then there would be ark worship and people would follow them i think the reason god took these things out of the picture and we can't find them is so that nobody could look at this any one group of people or any one guy that found it or whatever and say okay he's it now we're supposed to be following the Lord, okay? So David is taken out. You got you to take out and set these out. But now the men have it. The covenant power is coming through God. That, that way there can't be a David worship. It's still going to stay God worship. The Lord is doing this. The covenant was put through David. But we can see that the victory had spread out among everyone else who had submitted themselves to God's authority. Second Samuel 21 and 20. Yet again, look, I mean, we're still in this, guys. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. And, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. <laughs> These four were born to the giant and Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Guys, this just was not a good time to be a Philistine giant, wasn't it? <laughs> they're, they're not doing anything. They're dying. They're getting whacked. But even this kid named Jonathan, he killed his own giant. I mean, remember, it's not just David that killed Goliath, but he also passed the power covenant through him to other people that did it too. This was David's nephew, because it said it was the son of David's brother. Obviously, he was named after David's best friend, Jonathan, if you remember Jonathan. So they named him after him in honor of him. And so we're told of David's nephew killing a giant to remind us that when you walk under covenant, you walk in victory. When you walk under covenant, you walk in victory. I know there are big giants messing with us right now. Big giants, big problems. How am I going to do this? Don't forget the covenant you're in. Walk in that covenant victory, and you'll have, you'll have that victory like they were getting it. And so even though David got older, he was weaker, the covenant power of God was still upon those who were around him also. And so David, he didn't have the abilities that he used to have. But by being with an assembly of other people, he was protected. And that's very important. That's a main idea of why we come to church. If we all walk in covenant, some of us can do things that some of us can't. Some of us say, look, I can't do that, but I can sure do this. And if you're with an assembly of other people in covenant, you will be protected in that assembly. If you look at the way it's working out for David. But this shows us that the covenant power of God is not dependent on the capacity of men. I guarantee you, if you look at me long enough, you will find flaws. You will find things wrong. You will find things that there's just stuff I can't do. But it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on the covenant that God gave me that I walk under and even better still amplified if I'm in an assembly of other people in covenant as well. Big picture here, okay? It never depends on your strength. All the time people look at their deficiencies and their flaws and they say, well, I'm not good at this and I don't feel like I'm anything. It never depended on you. It's not about how strong you are. And guess what? It's not about how weak you are either covenant is always upheld not by you but by the power of god it's on him it's not on you it never has been thank god 
So, when you see other guys striking down giants like the way David took down Goliath so many years earlier, it, it really helps you to understand. It tries to get me in David's shoes for a minute. It makes me think of the way he might have been thinking back over history. Like, wait a minute, I killed the giant. I was known for that. Now everybody's doing it. A lot of people would get jealous. I'm not going to have my stature anymore. No, I would be glad to see other people killing giants like I did. And I think that would be inspiring. Look, now everybody's doing it. (laughs) The Philistine giants are going to be scared of us now because we're popping them off left and right. And if you put yourself in David's shoes and you think back over history, David's probably thinking, you know, God put me under covenant. I sinned against him, yet he still upheld his covenant promise. I mean, that would floor me. He put me under covenant and I blew it, but he's still holding it up. Look, now everybody's doing it. Friends, you can't blow it. We already blew it. But when you get under covenant with God, he says, look, you already blew it, but get under covenant. You're not going to blow it again because he is saying, I've got a new covenant that's going to supersede you. I think that's what I can see here in, in David. God upheld his promise, even though David blew it. You got the people, they can't live a peaceful life. They are constantly under strain because they think they're going to mess up this big and God's going to say, nope, you're out of here again. And they think there's no way they can be saved because I messed up this big and then next week I'll mess up this big again. And look look at David. He did blow it. He blew it bad. David is realizing that the Lord has got him covered. He has him covered, and that won't drive you to sin more. It will drive you to obey. Again, the people that say that sealed covenant means you can sin all you want to, I ask, which side are you on? You are running the wrong way. So it's very frustrating when you get older, like David is here. When you get older and you realize there's a lot of things you just can't do anymore. There's a lot of things I can't do anymore. I've got a hurt back. I've got a hurt leg. I've got all these things going on. There's things I can't do that I used to do, and it's very, very frustrating. But if you're not careful, it'll get you depressed because it will trick you into thinking that you have lost your usefulness, that you have lost your meaning, that you've lost your purpose. You haven't. David, you can't fight anymore. Sit aside, man. Well, what do you need me here for? I might as well just go. If I can't do what I used to do, wait a minute, Dave, he's looking. Wow, everybody's striking giants down. Where did they learn that? They learned it off of you. Now, if you can duplicate yourself and others, that's called discipling. If you can teach other people how to live like Christ, it doesn't matter to what state you may get down to as you age. If they're doing what you did, that is your usefulness. That is your purpose being fulfilled in other people. You see this picture with David here. Now, David may have thought, man, I can't fight anymore. But now David saw that God had given others around him the same power to take down giants that he used to have. And guys, right on time too. This is good timing because now David's too old to get out and do it. (laughs) Which makes me realize the Lord waited this long to pass it to the other men until David's time was just about up. David was too old to fight himself, and now the torch had been passed down right on time. That is timing. And so, once again, this is yet another instance of the Lord stepping in to save David from destruction because God was honoring the covenant he made with David. Right when David can't fight anymore, the Lord passed it to his men. 
when you find yourself, gosh, I can't do this anymore. Gosh, I can't do it anymore. That's when you go, I need to be looking at people that can. I need to be looking at people that can. You are a leader in some capacity. Are you putting yourself in others? Because the day's coming when you can't do what you used to do. Put it in others. Invest it in other people. And then when you lack, they will take over, and in the assembly, you will still be protected. Amen? Isn't that good? So how do you think this made David feel? That's what I was always thinking about when I read it. I want to take you into the beginning of chapter 22 because I want to show you how this made David feel. David didn't take this as a timeout. You're done. Get out of here. You're disqualified. Oh, that's not the way he took it. I want to show you the way he took it. Let's catch a glimpse of this miracle that David had just seen in 2 Samuel now 22 and verse 1. Here's how he felt about it. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. That's how David felt about it. He didn't take it as, uh uh-uh, you're done, get out, sideline, like we told the guy that ran the wrong way. (laughs) He didn't take it like this. He said, look what God did for me. Right when I got to the point where I couldn't pull it off anymore, he gave all these guys the opportunity to do it. But I like this. I've seen this before. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. How many songs have you heard with these lyrics before? You've probably sang this somewhere. David described the Lord as a rock. What does this mean? It means a firm, solid foundation to stand on and that it will never, ever move. I have been to uh, Enchanted Rock. You ever been to Enchanted Rock? If you haven't been there, you need to go there. Enchanted Rock in Texas somewhere. It's this giant, big bulge that's huge. That thing ain't never moving. It's always going to be there till the end of time. It's huge. It's like a mountain. And you go way, you can see people like ants way up on top of it. It's like some big magma push or something that pushed up and then cooled off. And it's this giant dome. It's huge. And you can get way up there and just see for miles around. And you've got to be pretty fit to get up there, I guess. But it's, man, I was just standing up there one time thinking, man, this thing is just solid. You could have floods, hurricanes, I don't care, thousands of years. It's not going anywhere. A rock is a solid foundation that never moves. When God makes a covenant with somebody or a people, he never allows that covenant to move. It never, ever changes. It was not going anywhere. It remains firmly sealed intact, just like a giant rock that cannot be moved. And David now understood that God's promises never change. God's promises never change because of Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Can you imagine if we had a God that changed, like styles change, like cars, video games change? That game's not cool anymore, man. You need a Nintendo Switch, or what is it now? Is it a Nintendo Switch? I don't know. That's the thing that's in. Now, what if God changed like that? Yeah, for thousands of years I said you were saved, but guess what? I'm changing my mind. I'm tired of y'all. You're going to hell. Oh, I'm glad God doesn't change because he keeps his promises. If the Lord changed, he would be unreliable. You've got friends, they change all the time. They always flip-flop. If God did that, if he changed, nobody would want to be close to him. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.